Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular, St. Croix, the best reds on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. Yeah, they certainly do. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, or you can always find us at our website, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is recorded at two studios in Northern Illinois. Dave and I send the audio down to Lando Lakes, Florida, to our executive producer, Mr. Brad Nearman from Berserk Productions. Hey, Brad, thanks for everything you do. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Ken Duke's going to be with us. You know Ken Duke. He's the editor of Fishing Tackle Retailer Magazine. Good friend of ours. Always pleased to have him on. And for the first time, I am going to get to talk to Mr. Elton Jones Jr., son of Elton Jones Sr., longtime legend on the uh, Bass Tournament Trail. Elton Jones Jr. had a great year on the uh, Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour, and I think this is going to be the year where he really breaks into the spotlight. This kid is good, and I get to talk to him in just a little while. First, let me turn it over. Hey there, Dave Kranz. Happy New Year. How are you doing this week? As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnston. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Oh, glad to have you. Last episode of the year for the uh, the podcast here. Happy New Year to you and yours and, uh, uh, and all our listeners. Yeah, Happy New Year to everybody out there. Hopefully everybody had a great Christmas. It's uh, everybody's still fishing. That's for sure. I know that's the topic of what we're going to talk about today. You know, kind of a year-end um, encapsulation of um, what's happened and what's to be. So I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, uh, 50s in the Midwest uh, in December is is not uh, normal. I, I've had so many people coming in over the last six weeks that have set up this is probably the last day i'm going to get out there's going to be ice it's going to get cold it's going to get snowy it hasn't done that we have not had a measurable snow uh fall in uh, northern illinois this year uh it looks like we're going to make it without one uh past the first of the year so that's uh i don't know is that similar in iowa did you get some dustings out there little bit but not much and to your point this has been i wouldn't say an anomaly but very rare um i would also say that it there it's expected to to turn before long and when it does it, it might uh, make up for lost time <laughs> i think it i think it might also but uh you know the uh, the last segment of the year let's talk a little bit about uh wrapping up this year where uh where we were where we are and where we can expect to go in the future uh we can talk about retail you're working for a manufacturer um and and let's um kind of uh give an overview of of our industry we've we've had uh many good things uh happen this year and we've had uh you know, too many bad things. Lost a lot of industry members that, uh, unfortunately, we we don't have in our world anymore. But uh, uh, you know, where where are we at as far as uh, from a manufacturing angle? Um, are things getting better on the supply chain for a St. Croix rod? 
Yeah, I was going to go there first, really, to supply chain issues. I think really globally across all industries are challenging right now, especially those related to uh, things coming in from Asia, which is a lot. You know, so fortunately for St. Croix, we we have a, a, a large amount of control of what we do in the manufacturing process. So there's very few things that we outsource, but the things that we do can be challenged to a degree. I don't think we're in the situation that a lot of manufacturers are, but certainly it's challenging. And then you combine that with record demand for fishing, just so it's more people fishing now than ever before in a uh, millions that got into the sport last year and all indicators show that a significant percentage of those people stayed in the sport and want to expand and one thing about st croix is people kind of move into the st croix rod family and then move up within our series and so we're seeing demand on our product which is unprecedented it's a real good thing but certainly challenging when you have some supply chain issues out there Absolutely. And, and as a retailer, I, I sell St. Croix rods in my, my store and I have seen a better supply coming in. I have a better selection than I've probably had in the last year, which is a good thing because, uh, you know, we, we've all, uh, if we've gotten product in, we've been able to sell it. There's demand there. There's uh, people that are looking for new product and, um, and it's nice to be able to get product in that these new anglers want to want to buy because we don't want them to become discouraged because they can't get product do we no i think i think you're bringing up a great point you know this is a rare opportunity for all of us in the fishing industry to capitalize on a on a situation where we just have so many new anglers and new anglers is a broad term i mean these these folks need everything and they need it at the most basic root level but then you also see people that want to buy quality equipment to get started too, or those that move up fast in the sport and have an aptitude for it or a lot of success and, you know, want to upgrade and get better equipment to en enhance their performance. So it's really a, um, it, it's, it's a, it's a complex issue because we have all sorts of new customers, which we call anglers at St. Croix, um, getting into the sport. So there's a, again, huge uh, stress demand on our product in a good way. And this is a rare opportunity to get them into the, the big St. Croix family, so we call it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things I think uh, going forward, I, I did see that uh, St. Croix is going to uh, be the title sponsor for the BASS Opens, which I think is a, a good opportunity uh, for visibility for the brand and for St. Croix because, you know, the uh, let's face it, a lot of those bass guys are southern guys, even though they love to come up here and fish these smallmouth. So I, I think that's a good opportunity for um, three people, St. Croix, BASS, and their angling community. Yeah, there's no question. One thing is, you know, you can look at the product launches that we've had in the past few years and, um, you know, St. Croix all in on bass. There's no question. And we want to give every angler out there that pursues bass the chance to be successful. And that's evidenced by the rods that we've launched, but also by things like what you just mentioned and being the title sponsor for the for the Opens is, is a great opportunity for us to reach those aspiring anglers out there that want to reach that pinnacle in bass fishing. And for us to be part of that is certainly something to be proud of. Yes, absolutely. I, I uh, thought we should mention that because I, I did see that that's happening for this this next upcoming season. Um, yeah, we had a, kind of a wrap-up of what, uh, what, what we did as far as uh, the supply chain, how we've handled it going forward. We've got a lot of anglers uh, uh, 
Do you see things just continually getting better as far as the supply chain goes? I mean, I've heard some people say that the uh, 12 to 18 months before everything, not just the fishing world, just transportation, uh, fuel costs, doing uh, labor costs, everything keeps going up and up and up and and is hard to get. And the hard to get is going to make it easier for these things to go up even higher, isn't it? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of... uh factors going on here from you know supply chain is a real broad topic it can be things hung up in containers in long beach or trucks moving it to the mainland to increased fuel costs increased inflation to a lot of a lot of factors that go and go into that but dave you're a lot like me we're the eternal optimists and the the silver lining to this whole thing to me is i do think it's going to get better i think the demand will subsides probably a a fair word i think level off would be more accurate Um, but what's so exciting to me is i do believe a lot of these anglers are going to stay in the support and i also believe that we're going to get our heads around the overall supply chain issue and if we see any waning demand at all this has been such a flash fire the last two years in terms of having to supply so much product not just talking about fishing rods but just to feed the desires of all these anglers out there that i can see this leveling off and uh and improving without a question the million dollar question is exactly when yeah for it to have been here and we're talking about it two years later is uh pretty astounding that that it's continued this long and and um there's really yeah it's a guess as to when things are going to stabilize and become whatever the new normal will be um but the uh yeah we just keep going on i am optimistic about the uh uh the world. I am optimistic about our industry. I've, I've, I'm thrilled that we're, I'm in the outdoor industry that we can get the opportunity to talk to so many new people that want to uh, come into this world of, of fishing and boating and the outdoors and, and experience uh, the thing that we have a great passion for. And and I think from that standpoint, it's great to have the opportunity to uh, to do that. And I think everybody ought to make sure that they are doing that as outdoorsmen. Um, help those around you that that need it and uh you know teach them a little bit because uh, the the better you you make them uh the better it's going to be for our sport for all of us isn't it we did a prior podcast on this you know about uh, and it's something that i get asked quite a bit i, cer- I certainly know our a lot of people on our st Croix team get asked is how do we keep these new anglers into the sport and my answer is always to to help them be successful and i think it's true in anything you do or any sport that you play um if if you're if you have success you're more likely to continue doing it there's some people that just grind through failure to get to success and i get that but it certainly makes it easier when you catch them in fishing and so i think it's on you know there's two big moving parts here you and i are learning every day dave i mean and we always will be we'll never know close to anything even resembling everything to know in fishing. So not only do we have a lot to learn, but you can imagine the people that are 35 years old that are just starting. So their their learning curve is all blue sky. It's all in front of them. And I think we need to understand, we need to keep things basic, layman's terms. We need to uh, make sure people understand species, seasonal, seasonality, basic bait patterns, what fish feed on. And 
presentations and all those things. So when they go out, they're more likely to be successful. And, I'll, and I, I reiterate this now because it's just that important for any of our listeners out there. If there's one thing to resonate, when you run across these new anglers, teach them to catch them because they're more likely to stay in it if they do. Absolutely. They'll, uh, they'll stay in it. They'll be better at it. And because somebody helped them, hopefully they'll help the next uh, generation or next person down the line. And uh, you, you have no idea the person that, that you help uh, could be the next KVD. Well, he's out there. There's no doubt. There's, it's, that's one thing that's awe-inspiring to me is see these young anglers that are so good, so far ahead of their time. And we had an episode on this as well with everything at the reach of fingertips and buttons on a laptop right now. With all the, the information that these young anglers can get is just, it, it's beyond amazing. I remember telling a story one time. I had a co-angler in my boat that was picking up baits I'd never even heard of, and the kid was in his teens. You know, it's like, where are in the world? The good <laughs> stuff, too. Yeah. And not only picking up good stuff, but fishing it the right way. And it's like, boy, they're so far ahead of where I was when I was that age. Just apples and oranges. Absolutely. Well, happy uh, New Year's to you, Dan, and um, happy New Year's to all the, uh, the listeners out there, and I appreciate uh, you being on the program weekly. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Always my pleasure. Excellent. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is Sunline. My favorite lines to use is Sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, sharks. There we go. I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say that the guests I have on this segment have a passion for the outdoors. My next guest has been on many times over the last almost six years. Uh, he is Ken Duke. He is editor of Fishing Tackle Retailer, and I would argue the most knowledgeable person I know about bass fishermen. He knows more than anybody I have ever talked to. Welcome back to the program, Ken. <laughs> Thank you for the introduction, Dave. I appreciate it, man. That's uh, very kind of you to say that. 
Well, I, I think it's true. I when I talk to people uh, in the industry, and I talk to many, uh, you you know a lot about uh, particularly the bass guys uh, in the world, and uh, and and it, if I have a question, you're you're my go-to. Oh, wow. that's that's wonderful. I appreciate that. I've, I've spent a lot of years studying and working in the bass industry in particular, but then you know the fishing tackle industry generally as well, and uh, I love it. I love it. No, it's awesome. So we uh, we've had a. Uh, um, hard to describe because uh, business-wise, it's it in some cases it's been a good year because because if we can get product, we can sell it. Uh, we've had uh, a, a bad year to the point that it's hard to get stuff in this industry. We've lost many industry members this year, and uh, it's just a. Um, uh, I thought we we could talk a little bit about a wrap up of of what 2021 uh, was for the tackle industry because we are at the end of it. This is the last segment that will will air in uh, 2021. And uh, any any gut feelings off the top of your head? Well, you know, Dave, uh, I think this is probably best typified by the opening sentences of Charles Dickens' great novel, <laughs> A Tale of Two Cities. He said it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And, and that kind of sums up the tackle industry in this COVID era. You know, it's been the best of times in the sense that whatever tackle manufacturers have been able to provide and, and get into the, the hands of, of dealers has sold. Um, but it's been the worst of times in the sense that we've had so many supply chain interruptions and challenges and slowdowns that uh, I think a lot of the angling public is growing frustrated. I think I, I know the manufacturers and the dealers are, are frustrated by these supply chain issues. We had tremendous growth uh, in 2020 as a result of the, the COVID shutdowns, and we've lost some of those people in 2021. When I say lost, I mean they did not come back to fishing. Um, we're still on the plus side when we compare our 2021 numbers to 2019, but uh, seem to have peaked in 2020 in terms of license sales and things like that. So it's been a, a strange and unprecedented time. And uh, it's hard to say what's next. Yeah, I think some of those people that we we lost and we have lost some of them uh, was due to the supply chain issues. They couldn't get product that they wanted. I mean, and not only our industry. What about the people that want to buy a boat? Used boats are at all time highs. New boats are almost impossible to get, and in many cases, a year or more out as well as the electronics and motors and and uh, poles. Everything that we put on them is hard to come by right now. So. Uh, some of those new people that may have continued in our sport are. Uh, it was it was the best of times that we got them here. It's the worst of times that we can't keep them, and I, I love that analogy. Charles Dickens usually gets it right, Dave. <laughs> yes, I, I I believe that, and uh, I don't get a chance to quote Dickens much in the fishing world, so I gotta I gotta grab my chances. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that was that was a good one, and is a good one, and uh, uh, yeah, I. I I guess we we hope that things start to get better, but it, it as a retailer and as a media person and as a fisherman and and a pro staffer, where I'm I'm looking at at uh, you know being in a boat and being in using this equipment, selling this equipment, all of all of the above, um, it it doesn't look like it's going to get a whole lot better at least for the next year. Yeah, we've been running a series uh, about the supply chain issues in FTR. And uh, the experts that we've gone to 
uh, have been not just in the fishing industry, but in the retail industry, the manufacturing industries more generally, because, of course, the supply chain issues are, are by no means restricted to uh, tackle industry. They're, they're with everything. Yes. Uh, the prices of, of cars, new and used cars, has gone out of sight and just going crazy. So anyway, the, the best experts we've been able to find, at least the ones who are even willing to offer an opinion, uh, are saying they predict these supply chain issues to go on for at least another 18 months. We're looking at mid-2023 before things might return to normal. And, of course, normal is a, a relative term, and who knows what normal will mean by mid-2023. Normal certainly means something very different today than it meant to us at the end of 2019. Absolutely. As a as a retail buyer and, and having the retail store, I have definitely changed my buying uh, habits and trying to accumulate product wherever I can from whoever I can. Unfortunately, when you're trying, we're all probably trying to do the same thing. Uh, when it makes it more in demand, it makes it more expensive. So um, as, as the shipping goes up, the cost of gas and, and transportation and the cost of labor goes up, uh, these items are going up, and, and I don't think anybody's afraid to put an increased price on something that they're going to sell no matter what. You're absolutely right about that. It's, it's, just, uh, it's just hard to know what to expect. Um, it's hard to trust the experts when they have so many different opinions. It's, um, you know, all I know is that, that we live in pretty, pretty scary and daunting times. Yep. Yeah, so we've talked uh, quite a bit about the negative. The positive is that that when you do get this product in, there are people that want to use it. There are people that want to buy it. There are people that want to learn about fishing, uh, although not as many as we ever would like. But um, that's a good thing, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing. You know, fishing has is, is grown. Uh, we, we talk about fishing growing, and, and, and it is growing. And the number of licensed anglers has been on the uptick in the last few years. But especially in the terms of especially in terms of bass fishing uh, we probably peaked as a sport in the early 90s uh, and that's when license sales were really strong the, the raw number of license sales in the early 90s is about where they are now uh, it's a little bit higher now but when you consider population and things like that the the early 90s was kind of the heyday of, of bass fishing as a, as a sport. And uh, even though we've seen some good license sales in, in the last few years, the percentage of anglers who identify as bass anglers has actually been declining almost every year over the last 30 years. And when you consider population growth relative to the number of license sales, uh, those numbers are not necessarily really good. Um, but we're, we're hanging in there. Yeah, and uh, I think we need to be hopeful that uh, COVID, for all its evils, and they have been considerable. Uh, maybe COVID is, is helping us to turn the tide and to grow the sport, not just the sport of fishing generally, but bass fishing maybe in particular. And uh, and hopefully we can keep those anglers. And that's where that's where it gets tricky. You know, you and I have heard a lot of people talk about growing the sport, and uh, everybody talks about it, but very few people actually do it. Yeah, and I guess the reality is had we not had the uh, collegiate and high school uh, 
group that came in, it would even be worse than it is now. Those guys help, but I think bass fishing... Well, I, it, I disagree with you, Dave. I think the college and high school bass fishermen have not helped to grow the sport at all. Not at all, is my personal opinion. And, and why is that? Because these people are already fishing. Okay. If you talk right. to a high school or a college bass coach or, uh, you know, club leader or whatever you want to call them, I'm talking about the adult supervisors. Yes. They will all tell you pretty much the same story, Dave. I've talked to dozens of them. They tell you, okay, it's time for these kids in high school or whatever to pick a club. Maybe they're going to be in the math club or the chess club or the glee club or the whatever it is. And uh, some of them will not have a great fit, and they'll wander over, and they'll check out the bass club. And maybe they don't have much experience with bass fishing, but they'll check it out, and they'll say, oh, this might be for me. I'm going to sign up. They sign up for the bass club. They suddenly find out that you got to have a ton of equipment Mm -hmm. that is not going to be given to them by anybody. you got to have certain abilities, like the ability to cast and things like that to hopefully be able to locate fish. pays to have a boat. You don't have a boat it's hard to to get out there and participate and they drop out before they really get started and when these people drop out of their little bass club in high school they don't ever come back to fishing is my best guess they don't ever come back i think the high school and college bass programs are are insignificant in terms of growing the because of the fact that they, the ones that get there and try it don't, don't go back to just fishing. Well, the ones who get there and try it are already fishing. Right. They're already doing it. They that's, just, that's they just graduate to doing bass fishing and, and being more competitive, and maybe that's not, what, that's not for everybody. And maybe and, not even being more competitive. I mean, if you're any good, if you're any good, this is a, a, maybe a bombastic thing to say, but if you're any good, you're wasting your time in the college and high school ranks you know get out there and compete in the, the opens the bfls and yeah and stuff like that you know get out there and compete against uh the real crowd the guys you're going to have to compete about against uh, anyway yeah yeah, yeah don't yeah. don't compete against somebody who's who's in school right compete against somebody who's who's working nine to five and getting out there on the weekends and who's ready to take your money <laughs> there you go well and that that and you just spoke reality and i and i get that and i uh I guess I guess all we can hope for is that 2022 uh, uh, is better than 2021, and 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 maybe is uh, this conversation that we have is uh, it was the best of times and the best of times. But uh, I always appreciate having you on the podcast, and then unfortunately we're up against the clock. But thank you, Ken Duke. Anytime, Dave Kranz. You take care. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, and Happy New Year to all the listeners. That was Ken Duke, the editor of Fishing Tackle Retailer. I am Dave Kranz. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. 
Born in the back of a Florida bait-and-tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. We Fish ASA is back. I am Steve Sarley. My partner, Dave Kranz, is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. You know, it's really important that, that you all go to that uh, website and uh, sign up. It only takes a few seconds, and I say it's going to help uh, secure the future of fishing. Another thing that's going to secure the future of fishing is the young pros that are out there on TV all the time doing their best to win these huge checks and then putting on such a good show and being such great ambassadors for the sport. You see young guys out on the tour uh, doing so well, it just makes you want to pick up a rod and go fishing, take your kids fishing. And, and we've got one of the guys today I think everybody should emulate. He's uh, the son of a, of a, a class, Bassmaster Classic Championship winner, uh, and he's on his own, and he's doing real darn well, and I think this is going to be a truly breakthrough year for him. Please welcome the one and only Elton Jones Jr. Hey, Elton, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Thanks for uh, thanks for the introduction. That was that was awfully nice. Thank uh, you. I, I not I don't say anything that I don't believe, and I seriously believe that you have a, a big year coming. Uh, do you do you feel good about it? How do you feel about your year coming up? I do. I mean, I, I'm excited. Uh, I love the schedule we've got uh, this year. Um, we've got several tournaments here in the state of Texas, you know, fairly close to home. Um, you know, I, I'm excited, and um, I hope to just kind of build off of last year's momentum. Last year was my best best year to date. Um, and, you know, with, with how everything went last year, it was one of those years I can't complain. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I want to do better and, and hopefully keep, keep climbing the leaderboard. Hey, I, you said uh, you've got some events in Texas. Texas, really? Do, do they have bass in Texas? I'm unaware. Uh, just a I, couple. I, you know, there's four or five of them. I got them all nicknamed <laughs> by now. <laughs> oh, you know what? Honest to, honest to goodness, I'm amazed at the effort that Texas makes mm -hmm. uh, to become the, the bass fishing capital of the world. I don't know if there is a state that does more or works any harder to make sure there are big bass out there in catchable water than Texas does. Yeah, and you know that that uh, I've worked closely. So has my dad for for many many years with the the Texas Freshwater Fishery Center, the Texas Parks and Wildlife, um, and really kind of seen the uh, 
the beginning of the Sri Lanka program, you know, and, and how it's developed. And, um, you know, Texas really does set the bar, um, for, for what it is for, for wildlife management, especially when it comes to bass fishing. Um, you know, they're extremely serious about it and it's, it's really cool to, to be one of the people that reaps the benefits of it, you know, living here in the state and, um, getting to see, you know, everywhere you stop in Texas, whether it's a, if it's a public body of water, you've got a chance of catching a 10 pound bass, you know? And, um, it's, it's, it's really cool to see the, the efforts that they have paying off. You're, you're, we're seeing now fish getting caught, um, that are, you know, 13 pounds getting in and into the share lunker program. And they're able to track these fish back to a fish, to a, you know, genetically to another fish that was spawned in the share lunker program. So it's cool to see those, um, really start, um, you know, the, the, I guess the fruits of their labor. I, I, I agree. And you know what? Uh, it, it's amazing. Uh, the, like the, the old expression about, you know, even a blind squirrel get, gets an acorn every once in a while or whatever. Uh-huh. You know, you, you can get a 10-pound bass, a, a fish of a lifetime, accidentally, you know, and it, that, that happens. And then you hear about another one or there's multiple, multiple tens taken. And, and that's, that's really a rarity. But I'll look on social media. I don't believe everything I read. But when I see somebody posting that they've caught two Sherlocker fish in a season, I'm going, yeah. no, no, no. This is not accidental. There's a lot of those fish in there. If somebody can catch two of them, there's a gazillion of those things swimming around. Yeah, you know, I, I do want to say they're not easy to catch. I'm still waiting on my first share lunker. Um, that is that is a goal, a lifelong goal of mine, and I, I can't wait till the day I get to finally enter a fish into that program. But um, I hope to spend some time at OHIV and hopefully get that done, maybe even this year. What's what's your what's your biggest bass you've ever caught? Eleven pounds, even. Where at? Down Lake Texas. Where at? Lake Falcon. Down okay. Lake Grand. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Very very good. What what's your dad's biggest? Uh, 12-4, actually at Lake Falcon as well. And, and neither of those were in a tournament, right? Neither one were in a tournament. Isn't that, uh, isn't that amazing? For as much time as you spend uh, registered to fish competitively in tournaments, <laughs> that those big wall hangers, I guess wall hangers are a bad thing to say, but those, those big trophy-considered fish never happen mm-hmm. in the tournament. Yeah, you know, my biggest, I don't know about my dad, my biggest one in a tournament, I've caught a 10-1. All right. But um, they, they do they do seem to elude you. They come on the days where you least expect it and then in the times when you least expect it. Yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely amazing. And uh, uh, it, it's, it makes fishing what fishing is. It's, it's, it's totally amazing. Uh, you went to college. Uh, you you could have... Uh, said I'm, I, I want to go fishing. I'm not going to do this, but you elected to go to college. You went to Baylor, correct? Yes, sir. I did. Sure did. All right. For everybody listening out there that's that's thinking the same thing, uh, boy, oh boy, you know I get the you know why why would I why would I go to college when I got the the way paid for me the way paid for me in professional fishing? How, how important was it to you to go to college and? Uh, what do, what do you recommend for the people listening? You know, uh, college to me was, was was really important. Baylor didn't have an incredibly serious fishing team at the time, so it really wasn't the college fishing aspect of it. But, um, you know, to, to just kind of get a business mindset, um, I was a marketing major. Um, you kind of get to see the other side of the table 
of sponsorships and sales and um, learning what brings value to uh, big companies and, um, you know, kind of kind of learning the other side before I actually entered the world of professional bass fishing where I was the one, you know, sending out proposals and pitching deals and um, collecting marketing numbers and data. Um, you know, seeing that for me kind of gave me a leg up when it came to the early on sponsorship deals because that's the hardest part in fishing. I mean, you know, trying to trying to prove your worth and, and, and pitch these companies, hey, if you pay me this amount of dollars, I'm going to make you this amount of dollars. That's that's what it all comes down to. Um, but nowadays, I mean, you know, if you want to become a professional bass fisherman, college fishing is the way to go. I mean, not only do you get an education, but um, the notoriety that college fishing can get you is second to none. Um, the connections you'll make throughout the industry – um, whether you want to fish or work in the industry or anything like that, it gives you such an inside track and such a and just it's it's an amazing it's an amazing tool and to to not take advantage of it would be crazy. I, I agree with you, and I, I I was hoping you were going to answer exactly the way you did, and and it was perfect. And, and I got to say something else. You know, uh, you're going to college. Uh, you're, you're learning so much, and depending on your course of studies, a lot of it will become very important to you throughout your fishing career, your business career, whatever. But there's also the growing up and the events and, and uh, hanging out with friends or being in a fraternity or in a, uh, a, mm-hmm. dorm or a dorm or whatever. It's making you a more well-rounded person than spending all your time all alone in a fishing boat. You know, when you think about it, I think you really need that college lifestyle to make you a well-round a well-rounded person yeah i completely agree the social aspect of it for me was huge too i mean i I was homeschooled growing up um you know i I didn't have the opportunity of the big classroom settings and and the the huge groups of people and um not not saying i couldn't handle myself in a social setting but um just being on your own and learning that navigating that was 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 big for me personally and um you, college is a, it's a it's a great place to to grow up and learn a little bit about yourself before you. Uh, very good, very you very try good. to become a bass fisherman because it's that's a lot of time alone on the road. I mean, and just in foreign places you you've never been, dirty hotels. I mean, it's not you know especially trying to get to be a professional. It's not a glamorous lifestyle, Adam. It is a grind. Oh, so, people don't realize yeah. that. They look at, oh, you want a hundred thousand dollars for you know throw, uh, throwing a few lures? Oh, yeah. You don't realize what it what it takes. And you know, we've t- I've talked to so many guys. When you talk about the the schedule and the driving and and keeping track of where you are, and then you start adding into sponsor obligations, and everybody wants you here or there, and you get knuckleheads like me calling you on your day off saying, hey, will you do this, will you do this interview for me? Yeah, sure, that's all part of it. It it, it, it makes it tough, and all of a sudden you look at it, and it, it's more like uh, asking you what you do with your free time is a bad question because you end up not having any free time. Once you start getting a little bit better, and you're certainly at that stage where you got everybody pulling you in different directions. You're busy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure am. Sure am. It, it, it's, it, it takes a lot of, I mean, work-life balance is, is a big thing. Um, you know, you talk to many professional anglers. They don't do a whole lot of just fun fishing around the house anymore. You know, that kind of that kind of goes away to an extent. 
I mean, if I had to, my favorite lake here is Lake Whitney in Texas, and it, it's kind of my home body of water, and I'll be lucky to spend 10 days on it this year. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. How how old are you now? You, are you twenty nine? Yeah, I'm twenty nine. I'll I'll be thirty in April. So. Excellent. And enjoy enjoy those last four months of uh, pre thirty while you can. Uh, oh, no, I, I, I think that, I'm not a birthday person, so I'm 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 like ah, I don't even, I don't want to turn thirty. Huh? I I like being young. It's just a, just a number. How long have you been married to your wife, Kelsey? Uh, coming up on five years in May. Coming up on five years. Okay, so where, where, where did you meet her, and uh, how did you talk her into marrying a professional fisherman? Well, we met at Baylor University in managerial accounting. Um, and, you know, as far as talking her into professional fishing, I think she still, she's still asking that question to this day. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, she, she's, she's been very supportive of me. She's, uh, she's from Minnesota, comes from a great family. And her family actually just moved to the state of Texas, which is which is awesome to have us all here in one city. Um, oh, that's been, great! That is that's been fantastic. That's one. That is that is wonderful. So there had to be a there had to be a moment where you said, uh, "Honey, uh, I, I'm, I'm once I'm graduate, I'm thinking of going into professional fishing full time." Did did she go? Uh huh. Or roll her eyes or. Start heading for the door. What? What? How was that accepted? Well, in the, in the beginning, I think it was kind of like, oh yeah. Well, I kind of did this all through college. That too, you know, I was traveling around fishing all the bass champs here in state Texas Team Trail and whatnot. Um, so, um, you know, it was it was kind of the lifestyle had already begun a little bit when we met. Okay. Uh, all right. No, no so big, no big surprise. There wasn't a huge shock, but. Um, it seems like every year, more and more and more of time away and limited, you know, more travel and, and all that. So it is hard to it is hard to manage. But um, from day one, I was fairly clear on what I wanted to do, and we've uh, been very simple. Excellent. Um, let, let me take let me take a quick break. I, I got some I have some sponsors that would like to sneak a word in here, and then when we get back, we'll talk to uh, Elton Jones Jr. about his sponsors and his career and the upcoming season. We are We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. And we'll be right back with more Elton Jones Jr. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I had completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. 
With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world, and with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. We Fish ASA is back. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Our guest today is the one and only Elton Jones Jr., son of Elton Jones Sr., a legend in professional bass fishing. And Elton Jones Jr. is on his way to becoming the second member of the Jones family to hit it really big in professional bass fishing. Yeah, you know, your dad won a Bassmaster Classic, and no matter what you look at, with, with the competing leagues, with the Major League Fishing, Bass Pro Tour, and the Bassmaster Elites and all that, and Major League Fishing, which you are a part of, your dad is a part of, does the Red Crest uh, every year. That's their big championship, which will be, I believe, in March up on uh, Grand Lake of the Cherokees in Oklahoma. But at this point in time, the uh, classic is still the, the the big one. That's the one that catches everybody's attention. And your dad, mm-hmm. your dad's got a classic trophy sitting on his mantle. Uh, do you ever? First of all, does he look at it and say, That's, "I got my classic trophy. That's the only one I'm going to ever have up there because I, I I'm not eligible to fish anymore." Do you ever look at it and say, "Boy, I wish I had. I, I'd love to be the first father and son." combo to have a classic victory does that thought ever cross your mind uh you know it does i mean definitely um you know watching him win the classic was uh was a dream come true for him and, and a dream come true for mine you know it was, it was really cool because i was kind of a part of it in, in a way you know i practiced with him for that event and whatnot um so i'd be lying to say i don't i don't wish i have a classic trophy uh, classic trophy too or was to get a classic trophy there's there's no doubt about that um, you know, I'm not, who knows what, what the future might have in store. I'm not saying I might not have one one day, but, um, you know, it's, I try not to try not to compare myself to, to him and his accomplishments because, you know, it's, it's you versus the fish every day. And, um, I'm just, I'm just thankful to, to be able to compete at the level I do and make you know, you just said something that was really, really great. Uh, you compete against the fish every day. As weekend fishermen, those of us that are weekend fishermen, we go out on the weekend, we go out with a buddy, and there's so much chop busting about who caught the first fish, who caught the most fish, who caught the biggest fish. Uh, there, there's a lot of that going on. That is pretty much totally absent on the pro tours, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't catch yourself looking at the other around and wondering what they're doing i mean because it's it you look at jacob wheeler justin lucas jordan lee kevin van dam edwin evers i mean you're going to get spun out in a heartbeat right right everyone and can do unthinkable things on the water at any time um and so to better just focus me the fish if i take care of my job versus the fish that's all i got to do that's all i can do control what i can control Makes a, makes a lot of sense to me. I, I think it's a, a good attitude to have, and uh, you certainly have it. How much, when you started getting into this uh, on, a, on the big-time stage that you were performing in, uh, 
did you feel any jealousy or any animosity? He said, oh, the only reason he's here is because he's Elton John's kid, you know? Did, did, was any of that out there? Um, not, from from peer to peer, other pro, absolutely not. Okay. Um, they were very involved. Um, I mean, to say I haven't heard that a lot growing up from other people on, you know, on, you know, on social media or different or or whatnot. Yeah, I've heard it a bunch. I've heard it from the day I won my first Bass Champ back when I was 16 years old, you know. Um, but, you know, the best way to combat that is let your rod do the talking, you know. Uh, <laughs> that, that's all I can say about that is you, you catch fish and worry about the rest. Um, you know, I, 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 I caught a little bit of that whenever Major League Fishing uh, first formed, you know. He only got an invite to MLF because of blank. Yeah. Uh, and uh, finished fourth in my first event there and, and had a great season. And I remember Kelly Jordan and Gary Klein pulling me aside and said, hey, good job. You let the rock. You're, you, won't, you won't be hearing anything more. And, and really from that day, I haven't. Oh, um, no. So. And you know what? Major League Fishing, those people that put Major League Fishing together are consummate professionals, not only in fishing, but in, in business. And they're going to do something silly to make themselves look bad or make up make a bad choice, uh, and and put some stiff in the running because of his name. And, and then you get you're going to be in the bottom five all the time, and they end up looking like goofs for putting in. They're not going to do that. Uh, it's unfair to look at it that way. And sometimes I wish social media would go away because of stuff like that. It's just too easy for people to make. Uh, you know, very broad criticism for the wrong reason and, and hurt people's feelings. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it comes with the territory, though. I don't, there's not a, there's not a profession. It really doesn't matter where you are, um, you know, that you're not going to have some, some form of uh, disdain or jealousy or whatever, especially with social media out there. So I don't really, uh, don't really pay attention to it too much. It, I've been around it enough, you know. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. You got your head. You get your head on straight. Uh, uh, sounds like you got this thing figured out pretty well. Um, uh, let's go back and talk about your, your your dad grew up fishing Bassmaster, and mm -hmm. and you're both fishing Major League Fishing. And of course, the biggest difference uh, between the elites and the Bass Pro Tour are the rules that Bassmaster still is the five biggest fish of the day is what mm -hmm. counts. Major League yep. Fishing, you score all of the fish that are designated as scorable, whether, and it's, it's changed over the years a couple of times, but whatever the, the, the limit is, the minimum limit is, you catch 10 of them, they count. If you catch 100 of them, they count. Uh, it's not right. just the five fish, it's the most good fish. Mm -hmm. uh, did that screw your dad up at all? And, and you have actually fished both formats too. What about yourself? You know, I, I think um, it's hindered my dad a little bit. Grant, he won a major event. He won Red Crest, or not Red Crest, uh, heavy hitters this past year. Yeah. Um, so in his own success, I do think it's harder on him at his age because, you know, this every fish counts. It's a much faster picked game. Um, you know, and, and him, as, as he gets into his late 50s, it's, it's harder to keep up. You know, when you look at who's having the most success at MLF, it's the younger generation. I guess you could speak that all the way across the board bass as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, and I, I think I think not only the format, but just the technology advances and 
everything fishing at the hole in the past five years has completely changed. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, want, and and did, did want to ask about that. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Let's say you're at an MLF event, okay? Chickamauga, okay? You're, you're on this thing. You're ready to go. You've practiced. And they get everybody the morning of, of takeoff and say, oh, we got to change here. We're not going with our regular rules. We're going with the five biggest fish. We're changing it at the last minute. How we're gonna, mm-hmm. how we're, what we're gonna, what we're going to uh, count as as a as a weighable fish? We're only taking your top five. What do you do different from that moment on? You know, there there might be a there might be a point in the day where I change at a five fish limit. Uh-huh. But in the so here I'll say it like this: in the first year, we were at a one pound minimum all the way throughout the year. There would have been a lot. Changed. I would have targeted different areas, different lures, different things like that. You know, and, and lately we've upped. Starting year two, we went to a two-pound minimum. And uh, I think people underestimate how hard it is to catch multiple, you know, to, to catch five two-pounders in a day. Sure, sure. Really not that um, and uh, ever since that has happened, we've gone to a two-pound minimum. My, my approach hasn't really changed. Um, you know, I... It, you, you have to fish for bigger quality fish at that point, especially in a place like, I mean, you go to Florida, you look at a guy that has 20 pounds, he's got a seven and eight and then a bunch of little 12 inches. Right, right. Um, and so you look at how it all, oh, this two pound minimum, I'm one of the guys, I, I don't think it really changes my strategy. The only thing it, it um, you know, the score tracker, things like that on when to let off, you no. Know, I need what place I'm in, um, kind of a strategy there. But as far as the five fish versus the ever fish count, with it being a two pound minimum, right, really isn't that much different on how I practice, approach, or actually compete. That 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 is interesting. Yeah, it's it's almost like well, I, I don't want to catch any of these two pound fish today. No, not 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 yeah. not going to happen either. And of course, you do have spots that you feel hold bigger mm-hmm. fish. Yeah. And I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that with today's electronics, may, maybe that makes targeting those bigger fish a little bit easier. Maybe you're waiting, not spending as much time throwing to smaller fish if you can see bigger fish on your screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, it definitely makes the, the way electronics have gone. It doesn't matter what you're fishing for, crappie, bass, anything. It, it makes you so much more efficient. And, um, it allows you not fish dead water. You know, I, I I look at that. The electronics is so amazing. I think the uh, the the spot lock on the trolling motors is is something that's just in, an incredible tool. And, and I, mm-hmm. I I notice on your list as one of your sponsors is is TH Marine. Uh, do you use that HydroWave? Um, I I really don't a ton. There, there's very situational places when fish are nomadic chasing bait schooling things like that i'll turn it on um but however if i'm you know, on the back of a creek flipping wood i'm not going to have it on right 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 yeah that that, that makes yeah. sense that makes sense too and maybe it was unfair dropping it dropping it on you that way but but i think it's really interesting and just another step in the change in fishing uh that that and i hate to say easier to catch fish it just takes a little bit of uh, takes a few of your problems away I think and, and yeah and, for sure. and so the reason I don't do that just to elaborate on the back of a creek 
when you have those noises, um, not saying it won't attract a fish to bite, but say if he's sitting on that one stump and you're 20 feet away from that stump and you start playing a feeding frenzy and that attracts him away from the stump, you're not going to catch it off that stump. We, we had somebody, we, I had somebody on that had won a tournament. It was a good thing, and we got into the same thing, and he said, no, no, there's times I do not want to call the fish to me. If I know where they are, I'll go to them. And sometimes it, it's a longer cast. I don't want them any closer. You know, and I said, yeah. that makes a lot of sense, and that's good. But it's, it's an interesting tool. And, man, this went by so quick. Uh, we're, we're about out of time. I got to spend uh, about 25 minutes with uh, – Elton Jones Jr., uh, one of the, the the new regime of young pros who are taking the world of professional fishing by storm. This guy is good. He had a phenomenal season. Uh, he was uh, what, angler of the year. What place did you finish in? Uh, seventh place. Seventh place out of the top anglers in the world. This is amazing. A 29-year-old guy is going out there and showing what he's all about. Uh, folks, you Definitely keep your eyes open and check the standings every tournament for Elton Jones Jr. This guy is going to win a lot of money this year. Mark my word on that. And I know you're much too humble to say the same, but I know you got a good feeling for it. So go, go out there and do some damage, Elton Jones. Thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on today. Loved having you. We'll do this again. Elton Jones Jr., thank you so very much. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio, the internet, in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guests, Dave Cranshead, Dan Johnston on. He also visited with our good friend, the editor of Fishing Tackle Retailer Magazine, the one and only Mr. Ken Duke. I just got to spend some quality time with Elton Jones Jr., son of Elton Jones Sr., and uh, definitely on the track to match his dad's great career that he's had in the many years he's been out there. Elton Jones Jr., he is on the way to greatness. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. Yeah, Daiwa reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. Check us out everywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget our website, wefishasa.com. If you like what you hear, let us know. If you don't like what you hear, let us know that too. We answer all of our mail, so please get typing. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.